John chapter 6. Now, this is an amazing uh, passage because uh, this is about to get real, all right? So, like, if, you, if it ain't been real for you going through this, uh, going through this series, it's about to get real, real uh, for you because here, here, goes, here goes Jesus. Uh, up until now, like, everybody's loved him. Everybody has liked this joker with the exception of, like, some of the religious uh, leaders. But now he's got about upwards of to 12,000 people following him at this point. And Jesus is going to do something that um, uh, church leadership uh, gurus would tell you not to do. And he's going to shrink his church down from 12,000 to about 12 people. Um, so if we want to take some cues on how to shrink a church, uh, we're going to take them from Jesus in this chapter. Going from all of these followers, not Facebook followers, right? Ain't, we ain't there yet. Uh, all of these followers, like physical followers, people are literally following him. And he goes from all of these people, and he's going to dwindle down his audience to just a few. All right, now that's a miracle in itself. All right, whether you realize it or not, that's a miracle. In fact, that's probably the third miracle that's in this passage, but we're not going to get into that part uh, today. In fact, this is one of my favorite chapters in the book of John because of one verse in there after he uh, just kind of shrinks his crowd. He looks at his disciples. He's like, okay, so y'all going to go to? Y'all, y'all going to be with them, them fickle people? And I love Peter's response. He's like, where are we going to go, Jesus? Like, you hold the words of truth in your mouth. Amen. Like, that's a desperation that we got to get to in our yeah. church. But that's next week, and we'll get there later. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 1. After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee. A huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. And that's very important. Jesus went up a mountain and sat down with, these, uh, with his disciples. And now the Passover... A Jewish festival was near. So when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, and it's kind of a trick question here, where are we going to buy the bread so that these people can eat? And he asked him this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered, Sam's, of course. Just kidding, that's not in there. <laughs> See if y'all paying attention. Uh, it's going to be a long day, y'all. 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't even be enough for each of them to have a little. And that's like a full year's salary, all right? And I love, I love the response here. There's a boy here who has five bar barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. He's about to turn his fish fry upside down. <laughs> there was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. The men numbered, the men numbered about 5,000. Here's where we get around what most people would believe, around 12,000 people, because they didn't count women and children, sorry, right? They just didn't count y'all, but I'm counting y'all. We count you here every Sunday. Jesus then took the loaves of bread, and after giving thanks, he distributed them out to those who were seated. So also with the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were full, he told his disciples, collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces from the five early loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign he had done, 
they said, oh, this truly is the prophet who is to come into the world. Therefore, when, G when Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Look, look down, actually, at verse uh, 26, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to skip that, but we're going to skip it now. We'll get back to it later. Look at verse 26, what he says here. And he's talking to the crowd. This is important. I need you to notice this. Truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. I want you to notice something that Jesus is addressing here. What I believe, what we would call it today, is consumerism. It's interesting that Jesus just fed about 12,000 people, and then he rebukes them. Isn't that interesting? He's going to feed them, give them what they need, and then rebuke them. And in my view, what's going on here is that he is addressing what we would call today an issue of consumerism. They didn't want Jesus for who he was. In fact, they didn't even want him for the signs. They wanted him just to get some food up in their belly. And Jesus, don't miss it now. Now, Jesus is always going to address a physical need, but he doesn't do it just because he wants to meet the physical need. He always meets a physical need because there's something deeper inside that's going on. Jesus wanted to expose to them that their issue wasn't that they were hungry for physical bread. He's addressing a spiritual need. Isn't this what he's been doing the whole time? Nicodemus? I mean, he, he goes really weird on Nicodemus. He tells him, uh, well, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus asks him the obvious question, well, how is that biologically uh, uh, feasible that I, what, I'm going to be born again? Now, we have children here, so I was, I was going to, anyway, I'll move on. Um, <laughs> just use your brain, all right? How is that possible? That's weird, Jesus. But again, Jesus not talking physically here, pointing out something physically, just so that he can point out the spiritual issues of these people. And so he tells them, your problem is not that you're physically hungry. Your problem is that you're spiritually hungry, and you think this fish fry going to help you. Okay, let me talk to my rednecks. You think that this wild game dinner going to help you. <laughs> right, we grew up with fish fry, and now we got all these wild game dinners, all right? He's like, you think your little, what are those things called, fish sticks? You know, you can heat them up in the back of your car, and they're good. In fact, you can leave those things in the back of your car for two years, and ain't nothing going to happen to them, all right? I don't know where that came from. But here's, here's Jesus, right? He's like, I'm exposing something deeper here. You've got a consumeristic issue. You're just wanting more. You want to consume more. Now, this doesn't sound like America, does it? Yes. Of course it does. That was a rhetorical question. In fact, I did my research because I love doing research. America is so consumeristic. I found these statistics that the average adult in the USA spends, listen to this, $1,497 a month on non-essential items. Now, this is according to the latter group uh, that was conducted by one poll, which was uh, 
in the USA today. Now, all told, that's about $18,000 a year that the average, some of you are like, I don't even make $18,000 a year, preacher. Like, like, that's crazy. That the majority of American adults spend $18,000 on non-essential things. Things like, you know, going to the movies, uh, you know, buying extra clothes that you may not need. Uh, just stuff, 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 stuff that you don't need, right? Now, I, I can't, you know, we trying to be minimalistic in our house. Uh, we try to, like, just get rid of junk. But every now and then, when you see a deal, you got to get it. I mean, isn't that our mentality? Y'all don't leave me hanging up here today. Like, yeah, oh, thank you, Mimi. Like, when we see a deal, we got to grab it. We don't even need it. I mean, it's just a bargain, and it's screaming for me to buy this. I mean, even if it's the most random things, like a tree, okay? Like yesterday, we had to go. I have a, I have a deep love affair for plants, all right? Hello, my name is Matthew, and that's very awkward and weird. Some of you already tuned me out just because I said that. I love plants, man. I just like, I like to pet them, and I give, them, I give every one of my household uh, plants a name, and I talk to them. And some of you probably think that I need to go ahead and just call it quits. But anyway, like, don't judge me. You got your weird habits, okay? So yesterday we were in the store in Columbus, and I spotted this plant. I was like, oh, that would look great in our living room, just because we need something else. But I looked at the price. It's like, man, that's, that's too expensive. And then I was like, oh, but there's a ding on the pot. I could convince these people. I could convince these people that they're going to discount this for me. And so I'm carrying around, I'm carrying around a six and a half foot plant <laughs> in the store, everywhere I go. I mean, I'm just carrying this thing around like, hey, how you doing? I know it's weird. You know, people stared at me. I mean, probably for like 20 minutes. I'm like, finally, I'm like, Marina, you, we got to hurry. My arm's about to fall off right now, okay? So I get up to the cashier and I'm like, hey, man. And I set this giant thing up on the thing. <laughs> I'm like, hey, there's a ding right here. You think you can, like, work out a deal for me? Now, this is crazy. I wasn't going to pay full price because, crazy, $140. I said, oh, come on, y'all. I wasn't going to pay that. Y'all know I don't roll like that. I was going to get them to discount it. Like, give me, like, at least 60 70% off. And he's like, man, I'm just tired of fooling with it. I'm ready to go. I'll give it for $1.99. I was like, bam! We love bargains. That is the gospel truth. God's favor is upon me because he knows I love his creation. We love stuff. That's the gospel truth. Not even making that up. Here's another thing. So here's, here's what's going to happen. When I probably sell my house because I know the nature of my heart, I'm going to probably finish fixing this house up and make some money on this house, okay? That's just what I do, all right? That's how I have supplemented income in my life, Okay. Sorry, Miss Amy. <laughs> I'm going to have to go through my house and be like, don't need it. I'm going to tag all this stuff. Don't need it. Going to give it to Quint. Quint, he's just down the street. He'll, he'll take it. I, and that's, that's what I, I'm going to do, y'all. I have so much stuff. And what I've done in the past when we've gone through this is I'll just, I'll just get a storage unit. Did you know that there are 14,000 McDonald's in the USA? And there are over 48,000 storage units. Now, I point that out because we think there's a lot of McDonald's. I mean, in every town, there's one. You don't go to a town without expecting a McDonald's. There may be a Walmart, maybe not, but there will be 
sprouted from the ground a McDonald's. Don't even know why they have a business doing there, but they're going to be there. But think about this. That's a lot of McDonald's. There are 48,000 storage units out there. Here's what that tells me. Some of y'all need to be introduced to this thing called eBay and Facebook Marketplace. We've got too much stuff. If you go on Facebook Marketplace right now, I've got some stuff for sale out there. Y'all go check it out. Maybe you need it. Maybe you need more junk. Please take it off of my hands. I'll give it to you for free, all right? And Jesus here is addressing an issue that is so prominent today in our culture and that he looks at the crowds. He's like, listen, y'all just want me because you just want more stuff. I think that's very, very uh, true to the Church of America today. Do we really want Jesus for who he is, or do we just want him just so I can get my hashtag blessing and show everybody on Instagram that I live in a, my best life now? That's, that's what we want to do. Now, we may not verbalize it like that, but we want to show everybody how good we got it, how great my stuff is. And the question, though, that I think Jesus is posing to these people is, do you really want me for who I am? Right. Not for what I can offer. Remember, the Bible said at the beginning that they're following for his signs, and then Jesus, like, he, he rebukes him, like, they're not even following me for my signs. They're following me just so that they can get more stuff from me. And I think that's the question that you have to ask yourself. Are you following after Jesus just to get more stuff? Just get more blessings. Church, Jesus is the blessing. Now, don't miss it now. Jesus is addressing a need here. I mean, they are hungry, right? And they've been following after him for for some time now. So, So don't miss that. I mean, yes, Jesus cares. Jesus actually, in my view here, is wanting his disciples to view people with compassion. I mean, so many times, like, you know, we can, we, can get, we can get really laid back on this because we just get so tired of people so many times. We get so tired of, like, I got to show these people grace. I got to be around these people right here. Man, Jesus is just wanting his boys to view people through the lenses of how he views them. That despite, and Jesus knew, Jesus knew that they were just after him for stuff. <laughs> Feel the grace in this. That did not stop him from showing them compassion. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus already foreknew why they were following him. Like they knew. He, he knew they were just after him for what he can give. But that didn't stop him. Jesus isn't going to stop pouring out his compassion on you just because you're a failure or just because you screwed up something. Now, I love, <laughs> I love, the, uh, I love Andrew's response. Uh, in this crisis here because I, I, I see myself in this right here look at verse let's back it up to verse 9 Andrew boy he, he's funny it's like he gets it but he doesn't he's just kind of confused like, there, there's a boy here who has five loaves and two fish but what are they for so many like, did y'all hear that like he just lost faith in himself in just a matter of a half of a sentence. Like he goes through the trouble to go get the fish sticks and show Jesus what he's got. But mid-sentence, he's like, 
hey, we got something, but I don't, it's, it's crazy, Jesus, it ain't going to work. God is just crazy. Like he, like mid-sentence, he doubts himself. You ever been there? Like that's the story of my life. Like I'll say something so crazy like, hey, Marina, I think we're going to start a church, but that's just so stupid. Why would we do that in, in like a town where there's a church everywhere you breathe? Like why? that's just stupid. That was a dumb idea. Hey, I, I got a great idea, church. Let's do something crazy. Let's go like, take on the housing crisis. Oh, that was so stupid. Like, I'll go home and just beat myself up over that. Why did I say that? Like, think about that. Like, when we have, like, a lost love, when we say, I know God's going to say, oh, that was so stupid. They just relapsed. Hey, man, God ain't got time for them person, that person. Like, we, we almost get it, but then doubt settles in. And again, I got you. Man, you got to see Jesus' grace in this. Does he rebuke Andrew? No. Mm -mm. In fact, he uses that teeny, tiny faith. Just the most microscopic faith. And explodes it into some huge miracle. Listen, we don't need... Let me, let me back that up. We need great faith. But it's not a prerequisite for God to do something incredible in our town. It, it can just take just one person with just a tiny faith. Like, God, I, I know you can do it. I, I'm just not sure, though. That's all it takes for God. It does not matter what you have. It just matters who's got it <laughs> and in this case Jesus he's got it right it doesn't matter like what faith we have it just matters like what God can do with that minuscule tiny little faith I don't know if that's a word minuscule or not we'll, we'll go with it all right it just that's all it takes isn't that what Jesus said to some folks he's like hey it just takes a mustard seed and that, that that's like a tiny little thing yeah. not an avocado seed those are big. Don't swallow those. You'll choke to death. You swallow a mustard seed. Don't even know you're swallowing it. And Jesus is like, man, that's all it takes. So here's Jesus, and he's, and he's just showing his grace, showing his love, showing his compassion, despite the idea that they're just following after what he can give. Now, let's, let's continue reading. Uh, otherwise, we'll never get through this chapter. Uh, verse 16. Now, when evening came... Remember, Jesus just went ninja style. He just kind of went off into the shadows because all these people were trying to make him king. And so he's just like, I got to disappear. When evening came, his disciples went down by the sea, got into a boat, started across the sea to Capernaum. Darkness had already set in, but Jesus had not yet come to them. High wind arose and the sea began to churn. After they had rowed about three or four miles. Now, let me stop there for just, just one second. That's a long way if you're rowing, okay? That's particularly a long way if you're rowing in a storm. Can you imagine, like, how their arms are feeling at this point? Fatigue is setting in. Anxiety is setting in. And then they saw Jesus walking on the sea. Now, some other of the Gospels would say they thought they saw a ghost. Like, what was that cast by that doing out there? 
That's, I don't know if that's what they said. Uh, and he was coming near the boat, and they were afraid. Anybody want to say that's a huge understatement? Yeah. You ever seen somebody walking on water? No, you haven't. If you had, you'd be changing your pants real fast, just saying, all right? Y'all know. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. And they were willing to take him on board. And at once, the boat was at the shore where they were heading. They just saw this incredible, miraculous thing go on with all of this food. I mean, they got food for days now. And now they find themselves stuck in a storm. Yeah. Now, they think they're about to die. You've got you to understand context here is because uh, for, these, for, for this early century Jewish people, the sea was not some relaxing thing that they did just so they could just go out and have uh, a few and just, and just kick back and relax. No, the sea was terrifying for them. All right, and this was, this was horrific because not only are they going out to this horrific sea, now they're in a storm. And let's think through this for just a second. If you see a ghost coming towards you, what's he going to do? He's coming to take your life. Here come Grim Reaper, and he's about to kill you. I mean, you've got to understand this is probably what they're thinking. Storm coming. I mean, they, they have such fear, such anxiety in their souls, and suddenly they see what they think is a ghost, and the ghost to them is ready to take them on to the next life. That's what they thought. Now, I see myself, and I would suggest that the closer that you get with Jesus, the closer that you walk with Jesus, it does not mean that you will ever become fearful or filled with anxiety. Amen. In fact, I have found the opposite. That sometimes the closer I get to Jesus, often there's some deeper fear and deeper levels of anxiety. Now, what I would suggest about storms, sometimes storms are self-inflicted. In other words, you cause this mess, boo-boo. Right? Like, like the you in a storm because of your crazy habits. You know, sometimes we, we just want to blame everybody. I mean, we blame the dog. We blame anybody in our path. Amen. I don't like dogs. Um, and, and then, I just had to throw that in there. And we'll, we'll blame, like, our children. We'll blame everybody. But most of the time, the storm is because you are the common denominator of your issues. Amen. Other times, maybe you're just in a storm because you're just in a broken, chaotic world Amen. where sin has fractured the world. Despite either or, despite if you have caused your own storm, or despite you're just in a storm because of the brokenness around you. This is incredible. Jesus is there. Amen. Amen. Here's, here, 
here's how I know that. Because I too, believe it or not, have dealt with that kind of fear where I would supposedly see the ghost and I thought maybe this is it. I've been in that feeling of anxiety where I've just thought, well, maybe the ghost is here. Okay. Right? Okay. I mean, I've, you guys all know most of our story and most of some of the causes of my uh, issues. I have followed behind the ambulance with my girl, not knowing if she was going to live. I have, with my youngest son, have oftentimes had to look over my shoulder when I'm out in public with him. So I, I understand, I get living in fear and anxiety. Amen. But here's what I know, that Jesus is there. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like, God, can I just, like, like, and let me just get even more real with y'all, if I can. Like last year was just, it was a crazy year for me. I mean, I had those moments where I was just like, this is enough, God. Could you just let me breathe? You ever had one of those years? I mean, it wasn't like a day. I mean, I just felt like the whole year was just going up in flames. I'm like, come on, God, let me breathe. Sometimes he doesn't want you to breathe. Maybe he just wants to expand your lungs. And in this moment, fear, anxiety, what they think death is here to get them. Maybe Jesus allowed them. I don't know why Jesus wasn't on the boat in the beginning. Like, I read this, I'm like, why didn't Jesus get on the boat with them? Right? I mean, it just seems like they've been sticking together this whole time. Like, Jesus, you should have got on the boat. But maybe he just didn't want to get on the boat because maybe he wanted them to hold their breath just a little longer just so their lungs would expand. Here's Jesus stepping into the fear, not away from it. Here's our beautiful Savior stepping into your anxieties, not away from them. And sometimes he may not remove the anxiety. Sometimes he may not remove the fear. But you can better trust that his presence is going to be there. You can lean into that he will be there with you. You may not remove the storm right now. You may think there's just a ghost coming up to kill you. But perhaps that's not the case. Perhaps it's just Jesus coming. So don't be discouraged, my friends, who are dealing with the anxiety, who's dealing with the fears, dealing with not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring or, or what situation. I mean, I, I know some of your stories. I, I, I know some of you are walking through some very painful things. Like, can I just encourage you this morning? Jesus is walking there with you. Look at verse 22, and I'm going to close here in just a few minutes. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea saw there had been only one boat. They also saw that Jesus had not boarded the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone off alone. These are some smart folks. 
Some boats came near the place where they had not eaten the bread after the Lord was given thanks. And when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And here's where he starts rebuking them. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? <laughs> Jesus answered, I tell you what, you are, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you saw and you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. And I'll, I'll stop right there because Jesus is going to get into an incredibly long uh, sermon uh, right here. At some point, we as the church and you as a believer, you have to make a determination for your walk with Christ and your faith in him that will you continue to live a life of consumerism or where will you live your life because Jesus is enough Jesus never promised that your life was going to be your best life now here on earth yeah. I can't I can't find in the scripture where life is going to be easy y'all know that easy button that's a lie from hell y'all There ain't no easy button in life. Here's what I do know. He did promise his presence to us. Yeah. Dealing with anxiety, dealing with fear. Who, what are you running to? Because a lot of us will run to that consumeristic mindset and just kind of uh, forcefully feed ourselves more stuff thinking that that is going to satisfy you. You're going to go make another purchase. Yeah. And you'll get into an incredibly amount of large debt just to try to satisfy that longing in your heart. Get more stuff. Buy nicer things. Get the bigger house. Get more cars. Get all this stuff that we don't need. And I'm not attacking those things like that's fine if God has blessed you with those things. Great. Amen. But that thing was never meant to satisfy you. Amen. So you have to make that determination in your walk with Christ this morning and what Jesus is exposing. Will you live a life of consumerism or will you just follow after Jesus for who he is? Here's, like I know a lot of middle schoolers, high schoolers, and even our elementary students, some of you, who are in here about to start school. Parents, y'all were supposed to say amen right there, but y'all left me hanging. <laughs> I'm ready to do a praise break. Get the cheering around my house. Y'all know what I'm saying? No offense. I love you, but I love you more when you're in school. You know what I'm saying? Um, but but y'all listen, y'all teenagers, y'all listen. Following Jesus is not easy. Life was never meant to just give you what you want. One thing you can rest in is that despite how life has thrown you so many curveballs, despite how uneasy it has been, young people, listen, Christ is there with you. 
and he'll never leave you. That's the assurance that we have. As you're walking down your school hallways, know that Christ is with you. When you're going to your job, pulling up uh, to your job, some of you uh, teachers, y'all back at work, y'all getting back to to work, know that Christ is with you. Christ is here and he's with us and he'll never leave us. Let's pray this morning.